So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Well, listen here. Hello, and welcome to 90 Day Fiance MK. I'm Mr. O, and today, Miss H and I will be discussing Season 7, Episode 2 of Happily Ever After. In this episode, Shahida won't apologize to Shida, Jovi drinks and talks about Yara's boobs, Libby's plan to sing nursery rhymes lands like a thud, Jenny and Samit can't decide which one of them deserves more sympathy, Ed blames everyone for cutting and running over Liz, and Kim and Usman might be starting a Seeking Sister Wife crossover. As always, we'll end with our Students of the Week, Class Dances, and Life Lessons. If you like what you hear, please give us a 5-star rating and subscribe. And if you also watch Love After Lockup, you should listen to our other channel, Love After Lockup MK, where we'll be covering the new season of Life After Lockup. Alright, thanks for listening, stay safe, and enjoy! Hello, Mr. O. Hello, Miss H. How are you today? Uh, really busy? Like, yeah. as, as noted by, you know, us recording super late this week, we had oh, busy yeah. weekends, and then busy yeah. starts to the week, and then, you know, here we are, and it's Wednesday. <laughs> right, and even now, we have to rush through this because I have back-to-school night right after we record this. Yeah, I think I, I think I, this is literally the only night I didn't have something this week. And like, and you were out of town all weekend. I had stuff going on all weekend. It's, right. it's like, I feel like we're definitely at the point where like, oh, I guess COVID is all the way over now. Like I am just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing Back everything every night. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say we did start this podcast. It's almost been what, three years now? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. It's almost been three years. So we did start this pre-pandemic. Yes, we did. We did. Because yeah. all of a sudden the pandemic happened. It's like, well, it's a lot easier to find times to record now. I can not stay up late doing it. All right. Yeah. And the other <laughs> thing was, oh, yeah, I have a nice microphone for my online classes. Oh, from, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from having this podcast. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get started with uh, this week's group. I think we saw almost everyone. Uh, we still haven't seen Angela yet, thank God. Right, but... they keep on teasing that. Okay, <laughs> so let's get started with, uh, how about the couple we didn't see last time? So Ed and Liz. So Ed, 56, and Liz, 29. They're both from San Diego, California, and they're engaged. So they are shopping for... They try to tease it like it was wedding dress shopping, but it was really a ring bearer outfit for his new dog, Leon. Ed met Liz because she was a server at his favorite restaurant where he brought a lot of first dates. Ed tells us his insecurity and his jealousy really hindered their relationship. And so Liz and Ed fought quite a bit through the single life twice. And Ed has broken up with Liz a total of eight times, which they repeat probably eight or more, more times. More than eight times. Yeah. Right, over text. <laughs> when Ed's dog, Teddy, uh, passed away, Liz reached out to Ed, which led to them reconnecting and then dating again and eventually getting engaged. Ed and Liz later check out a possible rooftop venue for their wedding with Liz's bridesmaids. Liz appreciates their support because it ends up that many of their friends haven't actually accepted their relationship since, you know, their relationship in the past has been so tumultuous. They just hope that Ed doesn't break up with her a ninth time. Ed admits that the breakups were because of his issues and he's really had to grow up, grow up and he's helped this process along by seeing a therapist for six months. Liz says she loves Ed because he shows her love, especially with her daughter. Ed's daughter, Tiffany, however, stopped taking his calls. Ed's friend, Rich, who we've met on The Single Life, also stopped talking to him, even though he still talks to Ed's mom almost every day. Everyone thinks that Ed is picking Liz over them. Ed's mom is not happy about the engagement, and Liz feels like she's the one being blamed for something, especially because she believes the reason why everybody is so anti their relationship is because Ed used to air their issues when they were broken up. Rich thinks that they are both insecure and selfish, and it's been four months since they've seen each other. So Ed wants to meet up with him because he wants to stop bad, uh, Rich from badmouthing them to his friends and family. Rich says he's trying to protect Ed from being hurt again. Ed thinks that it's weird that Rich talks to his mom every day and tells him so. 
Ed tells him that until he accepts his relationship with Liz, he can't be around Rich anymore. And Rich tells him that they've been friends for 15 years, so, you know, he can't just walk away. Rich believes that, you know, there is influence and he's not uh, talking to his friend anymore. All right, so... uh, I don't know. So say that you really, let's say Ed was your friend, right? And he has broken Uh up with someone eight times. And now he's engaged to this person. I mean, how do you as a friend deal with this? I I don't know. I, I don't think like cutting him out of my life is the right way. I would be like, listen, dude, I think this is a shitty idea. And actually, I'd rather you not talk to me about it anymore. But if you're going to do it, you do it. Like, I could do with that. Like, I don't want to talk about this relationship anymore because I told you where I stand on it. And if you're going to do what you want to do, you're a grown man. Do what you want to do. But I don't need to be involved in this anymore. You know where I stand. Right. Right. That that to me is fine. And then we can go bowling or whatever or (laughs) bike riding or whatever stupid thing Ed does. Whatever. You can go do that. Right. Yeah, I think that's really fair. I think what may be kind of the frustrating part, and I do think it's weird that his friends have definitely taken to the extremes where they would rather just like cut him out of their life then. But I can also see this happening. I can see Ed being the kind of person where he breaks up, is telling you how terrible the relationship is, how terrible the other person is, and is just like having such a hard time getting over this person. Right. And then it's just like, you know, calling you in the middle of the night, crying that they'll never find someone else and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you are really going through this breakup with him. You know, Mm -hmm. you start to feel like your friend is making progress and moving on. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, they've backslid into this relationship that was so terrible. And eight times, like, I feel like I have a girlfriend that, you know, she was dating someone that was pretty terrible. He had a drug addiction in the past. And um, that was part of the reason why he was so terrible. And she lost a lot of friends because they could not handle like the drama of that relationship. So I can kind of see how it's like that. Like you can't necessarily um, separate the two because Ed won't let it be like that. Right. Well, like, yeah, I, I could I could see that. But I could also see we're kind of taking Ed's version of the story where well, we got engaged and my friends all cut me out of their life. They feel right. like I'm choosing her over me where I'm sure yeah. that if, if they gave them that option, be like, Ed, whatever you want to do is fine, man. But I'm not I'm not helping you through that breakup again, dude, because right. I know it's coming and I helped you last time. I'm not doing that again. And he's going to be like, well, you, you know. That's it. Then I guess you don't you don't really like me as a person then. I guess it's the whole person. You either like everything or you like nothing. And I guess that's just you cutting me out of your life. And you're like, okay, Ed, fine. Like, if that's the way it is, right? He has yeah. the kind of the stupid Marilyn Monroe thing. The, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Which, oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, Ed's best is a very low bar. Very, very yeah. low. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree that I think that he might have put that on other people. Like, they're... Yes. You know, like, oh, they don't support me. So, you know, they want nothing to do with me. But really, I feel like he's also the kind of person that just will not shut up about his relationship, good or bad. You know, he's just it's being in a relationship is what defines him. And it is really hard to know someone mostly through your friend describing them as the evil devil woman that sucks his soul and and tries to destroy all men. And then. He's like, oh, can you come to dinner with the evil devil woman that destroys men's souls and things? It's like, not really. Like, I'd rather not. Like, I don't like her because you literally spent two years telling me how shitty she was. (laughs) Yeah, they are a very odd couple to me. It confuses me how they're together after eight breakups. I don't even know how I, I don't I don't know how that works. Like, Eight breakups. Well, he said he made it sound like he did it eight times in a row. Like I break up with you. I break up. With you. Like how how long of a time frame is this know. that they broke Probably up eight like times? A week or two. I and you know what? I think this is the sad part. Is like he's the one who broke up with her every single time. Like why would yeah. her, why would she go back? Like after you've made that kind of mistake twice, you know, it's just like this person's gonna just yank you around for what a reaction. 
Because yeah, he's basically. dramatic, you know? It's like, uh, why would you go back to that a third time? Yeah. It's, yeah. I just, ugh. and I forgot, because I, I didn't watch either season of A Single Life, right? I, I and, casually watched. I, I didn't watch them all, but I casually watched. And so I forgot how much this dude just annoys me. Like, he tells <laughs> the stupidest jokes. Yeah. Like, he says it to me, the fact that he, as people call me Big Ed, nobody calls you that but you. Nobody. I promise you that nobody has ever called him Big Ed besides him being like, let's say people call me Big Ed. Like, shut up. Ah, oh. it's just every <laughs> time know, he talks, no he's just like lame, stupid jokes. And like, ah, he's just he's a very grating person to me. Yeah, he's a lot. Speaking of very grating people, we have a lot to oh, choose gosh. from here. Yeah, um, that's true. Now I'm going to go with Kim and Usman. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, Kim is what I would think of first yeah, if you say great. Very, very grating yeah. person on mine. Okay. Mm-hmm. So since the last time, since last time we saw only Kim, this time we open with Usman. Although he's in prayer mode rather than being in soja boy mode. He says that, you know, the success keeps coming in his music, but it hasn't in love until Kimberly. And then they throw in a passing reference to baby girl Lisa. But then he sums up last season uh, from his point of view. You know how she was the potential. They went to Zanzibar. He, you know, tested things by reconnecting with Zara. And then we see some videos of when he invited her to Nigeria after the show, which we didn't see. And says, you know, the things that he loves about her. Like loyalty. Which, yeah, it's a big theme for him. So anyway, then Usman sits down with his older brother, Muhammad and tells him that he'll be bringing yet another older white American woman to meet the family. And wants Muhammad to do the same thing he did last time, which is like, go talk to mom about it and like soften her up about it. Because I want you to tell her, not me. So he says the plan is for her to bring her back to Nigeria. They'll get engaged. Um, then they could get married and then he can go to the States. So Muhammad doesn't understand why you just can't find an American your own age to get yeah. you into the States. Uh, yeah. Especially because, you know, if you're going to have any kids. But, of course, there's a plan for that. And it's the, you know, second wife. And it's a plan that Muhammad is very doubtful any American woman is going to agree to. So either way, Muhammad thinks that until he, like, actually has the second wife lined up, here's my first wife and here's my second wife, his mom, Usman's mom, is not going to agree to the marriage. So it's starting to look like we're just going to have some sort of seeking sister wife crossover here. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing now. Yeah. So anyway, we're back in Kim with Kim in San Diego to pick her son Jamal up from the airport who is visiting from New York. So he she brings him flowers, which, okay, if that's your relationship. Uh, I mean, that's not anything mom, mom would ever do. But the next day, we see Jamal doing some gardening and talking to Kim and her mother, who lives with her. So Kim breaks the news that she's going to propose to Usman in Nigeria, and then they'll apply for the K-1, so eventually they um, they can get married here. Jamal's confused because he was at the tell-all, and he thought things were over <laughs> at the tell-all. <laughs> and now she's getting engaged on the third time she's meeting him in person. So Jamal doesn't trust the guy, and he's not enthusiastic about the plan. He thinks that Usman might just be scamming her to get into the U.S., but yeah. Kim doesn't think so since it was her, she was the one that brought up the K-1. She insists that he loves her and Jamal asks, you know, what does he do to show that? And then she just kind of mumbles and rants about like, well, it's just, you know, like when he's with me, it's like being with him. So Jamal thinks it's bullshit and Kim gives it the uh, – then Kim goes into like, you know, Cartman mode, the uh, whatever, I'll do what I want. And she's going through with it anyway. All right. So are we going to get a Seeking Sister Wife story? Is that what this is? that where this is going? I don't know. I feel like definitely I was watching this last uh, season of Seeking Sister Wives. And there is like definitely opportunities for 90 Day Fiance crossover. So <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there'll be a crossover show between the two Seeking Sister Wives in 90 days. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I think they, and we were hinted at it. It's kind of hinted at in the preview. I think they have very different ideas of to what this other wife, the second wife, is oh, going to sure. entail. Yes, because Kim definitely sees it as like a baby maker who's like a nanny, a nanny yes. baby maker, who lives in a completely different part of the world than me that I never have to see. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and almost like Handmaid's Tale, but not actually taking care of the kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, right. And the, yeah, the, you know, it's like the handmaid, but the handmaid also just takes keep taking care of the kid. And I'm just right. going to serve you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, I've seen enough seeking sister wives to kind of identify. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm an expert by any means. I'm not even trying to. But based on the show that, you know, I've seen, it's just like you can kind of tell which relationships are going to be more successful than others. And I think you have to be very open to sharing in the first place. Kim isn't trying to share Usman with anyone. This is not going to be successful. She, it's not because she wants a situation where she can be like, where she can be like, I'm going to cover my eyes and close my ears. And I can pretend it never happened. And then we can move on. Right. Yeah. Like that's what she wants. And that's yeah. not going to work. No, it definitely you are isn't. You're not getting that. So, yeah. I don't know in what world she thinks that this is going to work out, but she's delusional. Yeah. Well, it's funny that – I'm not funny, but it's notable that that didn't come up when she was talking to Jamal. Hmm. Lee. Right. The part where I'm going to engage – I'm going to get engaged and we'll get the K-1 and he'll come here. Left out the part where it's like, oh, he also needs to have babies with a different woman at the same time. So – well, you know, the other thing, too, that kind of occurred to me, just the way she talks to her son and her friends, it's like she is just one of those people who is incredibly stubborn, defensive, mm-hmm. and Super does defensive. not want to admit she's wrong ever, right? So she's going to make this thing work, even if she is terribly unhappy because she does not want to go back to these people and say, you were right, you know, like... It didn't work out this way. You know, he really was seeing other people or I shouldn't have trusted him or. He did just want the green card. Yeah. Right. Right. She's not going to do that. And so she's just going to be one of those people that fakes it for everyone because she wants to win. We've already seen hashtag winning is so important to her. Oh, yeah. Hashtag winning. But she's also a very much. Well, you don't see him like I do. And it's like, yes, I don't. That's the point. That's why I'm telling you not to do this. Right. <laughs> but we're also saying that maybe you should look at what we're looking yeah. at. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And just, but yeah, it's 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 it it is. And it's like you know we talked about how grading she is. But the 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 you know luxury hand wave head bop head oh, head God, waggle yeah. thing she does mm-hmm. when she gets frustrated for people bringing up legitimate points. And legitimate, like, concerns is just, well, you think I can't do it. Like, settle, oh, my God. It's, it's super grating. Like, yeah. It really is. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Another couple that maybe is annoying as well. Olivia and Andre. So, Olivia <sighs> and Andre are both dressed very nicely. And they're popping a equally nice bottle of champagne because they are having a housewarming party to show off their house to their friends. Andre is hesitant to have Libby's family there because he thinks that they'll bring their problems and he doesn't want to engage in that drama. Andre says it's important to surround himself with smart, successful people, including his immigration lawyer and other business partners. Libby's sister and her dad and her mom and her stepdad all show up. Libby's sisters are gossiping that there were so many random people there and they just think that Andre's trying to social climb. Like, who invites their immigration lawyer? Libby shows her mom, her sisters, and friend Marisol Ellie's room and the spare room where Libby is bringing up that, you know, she wants to sing. So maybe this will be a studio. And it just so happens that Marisol used to sing professionally. And she tries to put Libby on the spot. Libby isn't trying to sing on the spot without being warmed up. Libby kind of has a plan. She wants to sing nursery rhymes. Her sister thinks that it's a flighty thing and Marisol wonders if, you know, she can make any money and asks if Libby's really thought this through. Libby doesn't say much to defend herself, but she looks awkward and uncomfortable. That incident aside, Libby considers the party a huge success. Andre thinks it's because the sisters kept their mouths shut. The sisters bring up that Charlie wasn't there, which is why they think there was peace. Andre thinks that Charlie's drinking is a problem, but then Libby's mom, Pam, decides to defend Charlie and points out that Andre drinks drinks just as much as him. Jen and Becky support Andre's assessment that Charlie has a drinking problem and that his parents are enabling him. She wants, Pam wants the family to come together to help Charlie. And Pam asks if Andre is willing to help Charlie. And Andre says, no, No. Charlie isn't (laughs) welcome here. 
And he's mostly offended that Pam keeps on comparing uh, Andre and Charlie. So he says that Pamela might not be welcome either if she keeps on insisting that they're the same person. All right. So uh, I don't know if we want to start off with uh, Libby's singing career or you want to talk about uh, Charlie. I wanted to talk about the singing career because I'm not saying Libby is a good singer or that she'll make it. Okay. But – the number one YouTube channel in America is Coco Melon. It's oh, literally right. nursery rhymes. Sure. There's a lot of money in singing nursery rhymes. And they're oh, all like, sure. what a weird flighty thing. I, how could you possibly make money on that? It's like, oh, my God. Every parent in the country sticks their two-year-old in front of an iPad with nursery oh, yeah. rhymes all day long. Like, okay. it's super lucrative. Right. So, I actually want to backtrack, you know, what I said last week. And it was when I heard her kind of take on it, I was like, actually, good for you because I feel like so many people are trying to be pop stars that the market is super saturated. And so, that's why we were kind of talking about last week, like, you know, she's going to try break into this. Like, you know, now that she's a little bit older, she, you know, this is kind of a young person's game. You know, I'm going to stand by those comments, but, you know, now knowing that she wants to do nursery rhymes, I kind of like, yeah, that is a smart, like, business decision. I feel like she's maybe thinking about, okay, you know, I'm not going to get started with this pop career now, even with the, I say this really loosely, fan base that she has from this show. Uh, Sure. But, you know, nursery rhymes, absolutely. I feel like this is something that she could be successful in. I mean, I don't think it takes a whole lot of range to sing nursery rhymes either, right? But the range, no. And I think the the bigger issue with the nursery rhymes Mm -hmm. and as A, I think the market might be more saturated than she realizes. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there doing it already because I feel like I feel like there's a lot of moms who are like, I sing to my baby all the time and they love it. Like, (laughs) why don't I just record this and it'll be a thing. But I think it's interesting because we don't know, like, could you name anyone who sings? I mean, from I, I mean, I don't have kids. I remember when I was a kid, what we had Raffi, I want to say. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, and that's the thing is most of them are it's, it's channels. You have you have your, right. your Cocoa Melons. You have your Baby Shark, like Pink Fong, right? You have like yeah. these co- corporations that make them. And that's where I was getting towards. I don't know that the songs is what is actually the draw is. It's the animations. Sure. And she's not going to be doing any animations, right? Yeah. So I don't know how much play or how popular it would be of her just singing like at the camera or her singing whatever and – or trying to do it on Spotify. Like this really – when I watch kids uh, who watch it, it's really the animations in the video that really like entrances them, Yeah. right? And so I don't know how successful you can be without that. Right, right. Where it's almost like it could be absolute nonsense. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, (laughs) I was watching Baby Bus with my niece and I was just like, what the heck? Why are these burgers running around on the street? Like, what is this? Doesn't make any sense at all. No, it makes no sense. And then they're excited to get eaten. I was like, what (laughs) is happening? (laughs) Yeah. Can't put too much thought into it. Right. But even like that, Baby Shark was freaking huge. Baby Shark was everywhere, right? Yeah. And But the song Baby Shark was not a new song. Like we used to sing Baby Shark like, you know, back when I was in preschool, like it was still a thing. Like, you know, it filled with old McDonald's and other songs you sang. But I never sang that song. We we used to say, yeah, we did. I remember singing a shark song, but definitely wasn't Baby Shark. All right. All right. But then we can move on to – Andre. And I feel like if we could just make Andre keep his hands in his pockets, everyone respond to him better. Like I really think he's very hurt in what he's arguing because he's right. And they're even acknowledge he's right about Charlie. Yeah. Andre's not even wrong this time, but he points at everybody all the time and he's always aggressively pointing at them. Sure, right? sure. And that's that makes it seem so much more aggressive. Yeah. He does come which off means, his- Which means the person you're yelling at just gets all defensive and doesn't actually engage with what you, with what you're saying. They're just like, stop pointing at me. Right. That and he does have I don't know if it's the accent or what, but it's just like it sounds like he's always like yelling. At yes, people. it does. It does. It yeah, does. Or like but he, commanding he, he, people around or something, you know? 
He does, and it, it is very much a, no, you do this, what I say, and I said it just this because I said it. And you're like, this doesn't even make any sense. Like, right. okay. But yeah. like, even that's another thing. Even in a situation here where he's very clearly not wrong. Right. 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 Yeah, and I think it's funny, too, that Pamela is just like, Charlie doesn't have a drinking problem. It's like, how many glasses oh of wine God. have you had, Pamela? Because I'm just like, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It, you can't just say they have a drinking problem because when you hang out at family events, you drink the same same amount as them. That's right. not what a drinking problem means, yeah. right? Yeah. And, Some people hold their liquor better than others because one of the things that even Andre pointed out was like, well, when I get drunk, I do not behave like Charlie. It's not Charlie's drinking. It's behavior when he's drinking. Right. Well, the other thing, too, is, yes, he has the same amount. He probably has the same amount to drink as Charlie when they get to the event. But Charlie's Charlie's 10 deep when he gets there. Right. Right. That's true, too. He shows up drunk. And then he drinks as much as Andre does. Like, that's not drinking the same amount. Um, But it's also like it. And drinking problems tend to me, I would definitely say drinking problem, eh, it's tricky. You're right. Because if you are overly aggressive and you do the behavior, but also if you're, okay, Andre drinks on Fridays, Friday night and Saturday night, mm-hmm. Charlie drinks every night of the week. Yeah. Like that's not the same thing, right? If it, Especially if it's, when it's getting to the point where they fired him from the company. Yeah. Like, so yeah, you can't tell me it's not right. affecting his life. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I also thought it was kind of like rich that like, you know, Jen and Becky, you know, uh, OnlyFans, Instagram, all the things people are like, Andre just is social climbing. He just has these people over to advance himself. It's like, really? You're the ones who are telling me this? Oh, I know, right? Just like, well, I mean, to their, they were probably like, oh, they want to make it look like they have more friends. Like, maybe that's why he invited the immigration lawyer. I did think it was odd that they did invite the immigration lawyer unless there was some kind of relationship. No, I... I mean, I I definitely think Andre is just like, oh, someone I know that makes a lot of money. They need to be at my house. They need to be over <laughs> here. Like, we that's my network. Let's go. They have money. Let's go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're wrong in what they said. Oh, they're not. They're not wrong. But he's yeah. transparently doing that. It's when you ask him, like, why did you invite these people? He's like, it's good network. He's not going to lie to you and say these are like my big friends. <laughs> yeah. He said, like, he wants to surround himself with smart, successful people. Yeah. He's not like lying or pretending that's not the case. All right, so let's go. I'm gonna go to Jenny and submit because I don't. I still. I never know what's going on with these people. Yeah. All right, so we start with Mama Submit, and she's still yelling and crying over Submit's marriage announcement, and she says that Submit has always made her life hell, and then does that mom thing where she's like, "I gave labor to you for two days, and you owe me still." So she keeps insisting that. She didn't agree to this marriage, and it, if he were really her son, then he wouldn't have done this. She even disinvites him from her funeral. She's like, when me and your father die, you better not be there. I don't want you there. Of course, Jenny has no idea what she's saying, but she definitely gets the gist that the mom is denying the conversation where she said she loved Jenny and wouldn't stand in her way. Samit says that if they, if it comes to... The, if it comes to this and his family disowns him, he has no choice, no choice but to cut ties, not just with them, but with everyone he knows in India. So he checks again if this is how his mom says, are you going to feel forever? And she's like, obviously, yes. And if this, you think this woman is worth more than the love of your entire family, then fine. Go with her. Choose her instead of me. I'll just go die. That's very oh, much her. And she didn't so actually dramatic. say, let's go die thing. That was me uh, <laughs> extrapolating. So then the father finally says, let's go. And outside, mom keeps doubling down on how she'd never accept Jenny and would never approve his marriage, even tacitly. So Sumit goes outside to say his real goodbyes and hopes he'll be able to talk to her about it again once she's had time to process and like cool off. So he comes back in to talk things out with Jenny, who... Try at first suggests they drop it, but then he ignores that. And so then it's her turn to yell at Submit for a while. So she screams at him about all her stuff. So Jenny is really upset. She seems that, especially because they had this whole nasty conversation in front of her. I mean, it was just really vitriolic and nobody even like translated it for her or <laughs> asked if she was okay or if she knew what was going on or what she thought or literally anything. But also it's exactly – it. <laughs> 
She's also upset because she's very much on like, that's exactly what I thought would happen. Why did you believe anything different would happen? But then Submit starts to fight back, saying he shouldn't have to pamper her every time she gets a little upset. Even if it, it even comes to like some a little bit of shoving. So he calms down a little bit, though, and just wants her to calm down. So obviously she's frustrated and doesn't have to take that frustration out on him. Now, he doesn't want to have to give up his whole family for a woman. And especially, yeah, that's what he's thinking now. He's like, wait, this is what I gave up my whole family for? Just somebody who, as soon as they leave, just starts screaming at me? This is, this is the deal? So they both just seem to think that the other person should be the one comforting them. And then they argue mm-hmm. about who deserves comfort for a while. All right. So in this situation, who does deserve the comfort and who does who should be the comforter does in this? Because that was what the fight was over. You should have comforted right. me. No, you should have comforted me. Right. Uh, I think immediately, probably Summit should have comforted Jenny immediately. Right. Um, and then... But that shouldn't have been very long-lived, right? Sure. Uh, and then it should have been the other way around. Because the reason why I say that's the order that probably makes more logical sense to me than maybe logical at the time um, is just because it's like Jenny didn't really know everything that they said. She just knew bad things were happening, right? Yes. And so I feel right. like a little bit of comforting for reassurance. Like, I don't believe that Summit should have translated everything for her. I know he didn't this time, but sometimes he does kind of blindly translate. Um, and when I say blindly translate, I mean he is just doing translation without any thought as to how, what, like, what is being said and how this could be offensive and hurtful, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I don't, he didn't do that this time. Um, so I feel like just a little bit of like reassurance, like, yes, you know, things, you know, got out of hand, um, nasty things were said, like not even worth repeating, you know, you're the one that I love and blah, 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 you know, all that short lived, you know, then Jenny should have like taken over and been like, I'm really sorry, sorry that you're, you know, have this riff with your family now and blah, 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 blah. I feel like that should have been the order of operations simply because of the language barrier. There was no language barrier then, you know, probably yeah. that first step wasn't as necessary. That's true. That's true. Because she didn't know what was going on. And for yeah. all she knew, it could have been them just like arguing like which one of them was going to get to stab her in the in the in the heart. She doesn't know. So, yes, at least like let me tell you what happened. But mm-hmm. yes, as soon as it became clear, it's like. Yeah, my mom pretty much disowned me that, yes, the comforting should switch to him and not the not to the lady who I just didn't understand what you all were saying. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, because that's, you know, Jenny didn't know he was disowned. Well, how would she know? Right. Right. I mean, she gets the gist that it was bad, but I don't think she got the gist of you can't come to my funeral when I when I die. Yeah, it's like you're dead. You can't control anything. Yeah. I would be like, just to spite you, I'm coming to your funeral. She's a lot, man. Like, she is. She is a lot. Well, very dramatic, too. Yeah, she's such a guilt tripper. Yeah, you can't come to my, you know, I feel like that's a very, like, Asian, culturally, stereotypical Asian thing. Uh, the guilt tripper? I don't, yes. I, I, I don't necessarily associate it with that, uh, it's, oh, actually. I, I mean, guilt, yes. It's emotional manipulation. That's how you get your kids to do things. Yeah, but the like the tiger mom stuff, right? Like yes. I don't associate it with, oh, you must not love or care about your mom as much as it's like, oh, you're clearly a failure. Like well, and you should do yeah, better. Yeah, you're bringing shame to the family name. <laughs> oh, I don't know about the family. I, yeah, I don't know about that. It was like, well, I'm not impressed. <laughs> oh goodness, those two. All right. So, moving on to Bilal and Shida. So, Bilal and Shida are getting ready to meet with Bilal's ex-wife, Shahida. I'll try not to mix up their names. So Bilal is worried that Shahida and Shahida will not resolve whatever conflict he, you know, they think is happening, which he fears will create a toxic relationship with his kids. Bilal doesn't really want to hear Shahida's issues with Shahida because he just wants peace. Shahida is insulted that Shahida accused her of just being there for what Bilal has. Shida thought she was hostile and aggressive and she felt bullied as the foreigner. 
Shida said that after that day, she vowed she would never let anyone bully her like that again. Shahida shows up and Shida is quiet. Shahida has been told that she had overstepped her bounds. And when asked if she was going to apologize by production, she was like, I didn't do anything wrong. Apologize for what? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shida tells her, you know, that she felt disrespected because of how she said um, and what she said, saying she was being aggressive. Shahida immediately gets defensive and Shida points out, yep, aggressive like that. Bilal attempts to mediate, but he already knows that this isn't a conversation anymore, that it's just a full-blown argument. Shida says that she doesn't want bad blood, but she wants acknowledgement from Shahida's part that her perspective is valid. Shahida is having none of it and tells Bilal to get his girl because things are going to turn left real quick. Shahida keeps saying she doesn't know her You don't know me. And Shida keeps calling her a bully. Uh, Bilal keeps trying to keep the peace, but Shahida is already walking away as Shida calls after her, asking if that's the kind of example she wants to set for her children. After she leaves, Bilal slowly gets up and tells Shida, time to go. And Shida thinks if Shahida came open-minded, ready to apologize, Shida would have easily forgiven and forgotten. Shida thinks that she was being diplomatic and calm, and she doesn't need that kind of energy in her life. Bilal is quiet in the car as Shida comments about how nice the city looks. Bilal is really angry and embarrassed, and he doesn't want to say anything he will regret, which is why he's being quiet. All right, so Bilal said he was being angry, or he's really angry, which I was kind of surprised about, but it kind of doesn't surprise me too much the reaction we saw when he was angry he definitely you know is one of those people that kind of like just uh shuts down you know oh yeah definitely we saw that at the tell-all right right so when he's angry he just shuts down it's like he just doesn't have a reaction he's like almost trying to disassociate from um the situation but i was kind of surprised that he was angry as he describes it who do you think he was angry at do you think he was angry at shida or shahida because he didn't really say which. He didn't really say. And I think we got a little bit in the preview about who he was actually mad at. But I would have been mad at Shahida. Mm-hmm. What the hell was that? Yeah. Seriously? Literally yeah. the entire thing that you did. What do I have to apologize for? Well, you offended her. Right. Like, you don't get to decide what you said wasn't offensive. Right. Sorry. That was her decision. And you offended her. Were you Maybe you don't think she should have been offended. Okay. She was. Apologize. Like, that's who needs to make peace. Yeah. Right. Not the person who's like, not the person you should go, you better get over it and say East Diego's up in here. Like before you almost storm off because she she said, don't please don't insult me on my home. Like, come right. on. Like that's absurd. Yeah. She was that her behavior was in no way acceptable at all. And right. I Yeah, and I don't think he's upset at Shahida. I think he's upset at the other one. <laughs> at Shida? Yes. Yes, I mean, I definitely think that because I feel like he would have said something to her about being upset with Shahida or he would probably have been more open about it. Like, you know, because he definitely was. When he was left with Shida, you'd think he'd be like, wow, that was really bad. I'm sorry. Like, that was terrible. I'm really mad about how she treated you. Right? Yeah. Instead of just still, I don't want to talk about it. Right. I do think that Shida is a little naive thinking she was going to get an apology from Shahida. And quite honestly, I not that she isn't owed an apology. I mean, I really have no opinion either way on that. I just, you know, to expect that there has to be one to move forward. I just don't think that that's the kind of mindset you want to have. Because, you know, it's like you can't control other people apologizing to. Now, I agree with you, like, Shahida probably should have said something like, you know, I didn't intend it that way, you know, so I'm sorry that it came off that way, but that wasn't my intention. Because, you know, I feel like just even something as simple as that, you know, you you can deny that you were being aggressive, but then also acknowledging that other people may have had a different perspective. And I right, think right. like... Just even coming up with that, I think, would have been enough for Shida to just be like, okay, like you're a person who's trying to work with me, you know, instead of someone who's 
gonna be defensive from the very beginning. I don't owe you anything. You better get your girl. It's turning left. Like, you know, that kind of reaction altogether is just like, I agree with Shida. It's it's aggressive. There's no need it's for that. It's super aggressive. Yeah, there's no need mm-hmm. for it at all. I mean, it's just, it just, I don't understand that attitude. I'm not apologizing to them. I apologize to people constantly, all day right. long. Half yeah. the words out of my mouth are, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just, I, and, and sometimes, you know, as a teacher, I'm a teacher. I was like, yeah, sometimes I'm totally right. And they were totally wrong. But right. I'm going to say I'm sorry because I need them to study and I need them to do their work and I need them <laughs> to not be pissed off at me. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, we need to move forward. And we're going to move yeah. on. If that's what it takes to move on, then that's what I'm going to do. Right. Yeah. And I don't understand the attitude of people who put their feet down and are like, no, no, no. Although I feel like Shahida has a trigger. Uh-huh. And I feel like her trigger is when Shida refers to it as my home. Mm. As soon as Shida says, oh, you came into my home. She was like, whose home? Whose home is this? Because it's Bilal's home. It's my kid's home. It is not your home. And like, yeah. she doesn't say it like that. But as soon as Shida says my home, and it happened the first time, right. as soon as Shida says my home, she gets she starts feeling some kind of way. Yeah. I wonder if that was her family home like before her and Bilal got divorced. Yeah. Or, or if she, I don't know if she might have lived in that home yeah. with Bilal. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was their family, the family. I think not, not right. like she grew up there, but like right. they bought that house together. Yeah, and he kept the house. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't. I would. I would definitely not feel great if you know my ex still lives in the house we bought together. Mm-hmm. If some dude like literally, I didn't even know they were dating, and he moved in and was like, "Well, welcome to my home." I'd be like, I wouldn't <laughs> be mad, but I'd be like. We sure about that, buddy? Yeah, (laughs) that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that seems to be what it is. Yeah. All right. Last up, Yara and Jovi. All right. So, Myla, Jovi, and Yara are having a family date out to a vineyard. And Jovi seems a lot more excited about it than Yara, who I think might still be hungover from last night, especially (laughs) since he's the only one in sunglasses. So, also, Yara is not super excited for drunk Jovi. So they have a playful back and forth that ends like they start in the car and then they do it in interviews. It ends with Yara insulting the cash value of Jovi's penis. And then we're back in the car. It actually was pretty funny because <laughs> she is a very funny person. Yeah, because it started with like Gwen made jokes about selling organs. And she right, was like, he was right. like, well, you, you offered a couple. Like, I cut you, it you, off you t- and throw it away. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you said you, he's like, you threatened to cut off my penis. She's like, that's not worth any money. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they both say they'll doing the they rather be doing this winery thing without Mila, which leads kind of to the obvious um, question of why isn't um, Jovi's mom Gwen watching the baby? Well, it turns out that Jovi and his mom had a falling out over it seems more or less about how much support um, Yara was getting from her while Jovi was away, and even Yara hasn't spoken to her in like something like six months. So they're both just kind of, it seems like they both just kind of assumed that she would, she would kind of do the thing we assumed they would, she would do, always just be there and be like, what's up? Hey, you need something? Yeah. I'm right here, by the way. But she like actually has a life and was waiting to be invited and couldn't do it all the time. Um, so we don't really hear Gwen's side of the story. So I don't know what what's actually going on. So we only have half, half of it. So Yara thinks that it's past time that they took Mila back home, back to her home, of course, to see her mom, and Jovi agrees, but you know maybe it would be better after Yara got her green card, which is taking forever because the whole visa process is super slow right now. So she has work permit, but not a green card. So of course, at the point they filmed this, things were looking bad in Ukraine, but there wasn't a war yet. So you know you can kind of get a get a gauge of when they were filming it. So eventually they do get to the promised vineyard, which is you know, less picture, picturesque than promised since it's not growing season and all the vines are just like dead. So there's still wine to taste though, which is, you know, my least type of tasting, my least favorite type of tasting because it's only like them and the people who run the vineyard and they like are just watching them taste the wine, which is so awkward all the time. So they go to walk around the place and Jovi doesn't want to leave the Leave with just he just wants more than just a glass of wine, so he grabs the bottle. So he thinks um, that Yara should be excited now because she's not breastfeeding, so she can drink again. Which brings us nicely to the subject from last week about her boobs looking different after breastfeeding. 
So in typical Jovi style, he expresses the something approaching the right sentiment with the worst possible wording possible and tone. He, he insists that he finds her as attractive as always, but if she wants to look better, if she wants to look better to have more confidence in herself. But anyway, he really wants her to weigh the way that she looked before. Sorry, said that wrong. She, he, I mean, it came up the boob job. He was like, he said something like, well, yeah, sure. I'd like it if you look like a stripper. And she was like, stop. I'm not going to look like a stripper. I just want my boobs to look like they look before. Oh, um, not big stripper Pamela Anderson boobs. So anyway, during the conversation, she re- repeatedly brings up how her friends look pretty. So then Jovi is like, well, do you just want a boob job because your friend's got a boob job? Are these new friends having a bad influence on you is what he wants to know. As he also tells her that she's going to need to drive home because he's had too much to drink. Oh, gosh. So, I don't know. Is this – how could – I'll just put it that way. How could Jovi have handled this conversation a little more tactfully? I mean, I think the sta- – I feel like you've heard the standard, like, partner responses, right? Like, sure. whatever you decide to do, I will love whatever your body is – or whatever. Um, right. I mean, I think if pressed, partners should probably give their honest opinion on, like, maybe preferences. But I don't think anything that isn't them, you know? Like, I support you, you know, trying to recreate your body from before. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't know. He also didn't give, like, I don't want to say the stock response, but the... There's usually a good response in there when you're like, oh, your boobs, yes, your boobs look different, but that doesn't bother me. They fed my right. child, right? Like, yeah. why would they be upset yeah. that, they, of course, like, whatever, they did a wonderful thing, like, for our family. Like, I don't care how they look, right? That's that. But he didn't get it. He's like, oh, I don't know. I guess they yeah, do look different, whatever. But, like, like and, and, and it, but you're right. At the end of the day, you need to be obvious. Uh, uh, you need to be honest about what your preferences are. Um, but also I just feel like a little more open too. sure. Sure. Yeah. So like if your preferences are not your partner's preferences and it's your partner's decision because it's their body, you have to be open to the fact that, you know, this is your partner. You've chosen to be with them. So if they prefer their body like that, you just got to go with it. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, except for drunk. Because she yeah. doesn't like his body drunk and he just wants his body to be drunk all the time. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I feel like that's more of a state than a physical uh, look there. Than a physical thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I also just kind of the whole I think your friends are a bad influence on you is not a good look for someone who's older than eight, ten, yeah. you know, like – I mean, I don't think he's wrong, but I don't know if him always bringing it up like that is going to make a difference. It's just probably going to be like, no, this is how I think. And then it's like, well, is it? I mean, I think it's yes and no. I I, I always am have issues with parents that are like, oh, they just fell in with the wrong crowd. And like, I'm going to stop you there. Your right. kid is the wrong crowd. Everybody yeah. in that crowd says the same thing. They fell right. in with the wrong crowd. Every right. single parent thinks and is like, I'll point you to another parent that thinks your kid is the one having bad influences because they chose those people and they are friends with them because that's what they want to do and that's what they want to be, mm-hmm. right? If she wasn't a similar person to those friends and have similar feelings about something, she wouldn't be their friend. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. All right, so I think that was everyone except for uh, Michael and Angela. Yeah. So, who yes, it was. was your student of the week? Uh, I, I guess I'll. Ugh, again, always tough. I'm gonna go with yeah. submit because he was really upset and managed to rein it in just enough to like. Because they were like really getting to the point where things get really dicey, and he like stormed out and then like did take a breath and calmed down and like kind of got them into a place where they were actually talking to each other yeah i'm gonna agree with you as well like i just yeah just his situation is really difficult i feel very bad that he has to deal with his mom being dramatic and then jenny being dramatic yeah yeah that's that's true very very dramatic like yeah that's tough what about yours uh yes so i agreed about summit oh you said submit okay same thing 
Uh, right. So what about your dunce? Uh, my dunce, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Kim. Like, yeah. just, like, it's, it's, she's not being straightforward with literally anybody in this situation, let alone, least of all herself. Right. Right? Least of all herself. When she brings the son in and she gives him half of the plan, and then when he's confused by it because you he only heard half the plan, he's like, this doesn't add up because he only knows half the plan. She yells at him and it's defensive and you're not supporting me and blah, blah, blah. Like, and the fact that she thinks this sister wife thing is going to work out, it's just you're just uh, all the it's deceit all the way around. Right. Yeah, I went with Kim too because I kind of felt like you know she's lying to everyone, and I don't think intentionally. I think it's just because she's not honest and she's lying to herself. So mm-hmm. you know, kind of the lies she tells other people are the ones she's been telling herself to get through this relationship. Sure. Sure. But yeah, it seems so obvious to everyone except for her. And that actually brings me to uh, my life lesson because it really bothered me that she kept on saying, like, I deserve to be happy. I want to be happy. This makes me happy. You shouldn't question it. So my life lesson is your happiness now doesn't always lead to happiness later. And I think yeah. that's what everybody is so concerned with. That and that's what this place of concern is. That literally also describes heroin. This makes me happy right now. Why are you judging me for it? I deserve to be happy. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of things you could say that about. It's like, well, that doesn't lead to happiness later. Uh, Just because you're happy doesn't mean it's good for you. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So mine is like when just be chill about people like telling you their dreams. Like be chill. Don't like if someone tells you when to sing like, oh, can you sing for me right now? Oh, you can't? Oh, gosh, then, know, you know, right? you aren't a professional singer, then are you? Because professional singers can just turn it on whatever they want. Like, and then, oh, you're going to sing nursery rhymes? Are you sure that's a thing? Just, like, listen to the lady and play along with her I with know, her thing. Just right? be nice. I know, especially Marisol. It's like, that's not even your family. Yes. Like, I get your family giving you a hard time and, like, asking the hard questions. But Marisol, come on now, just because you're in the profession. Some- is it yeah. up to you to haze everyone who's trying to break into the profession? Yeah, like sing for me now, plebe. Like, what is this? <laughs> Stop this! All, All right. right, so that's everything. So we will be back on time next yes. week. Yes, I think, yes, right. I don't think we have anything planned where we wouldn't be on time. So we apologize. You know, Labor Day weekend, out of town. Back to school night, other things happening at the beginning of the week for us. So, yep, yep we should yep. be back next week. See everybody Monday. on Monday then. All, All right. right. Until then. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Good.